try and make y'all comfortable. Welcome back, everyone, to the Inside Feed. On today's show, we are catching up with goalie of the year, Blaze Reardon, to discuss how he is approaching the championship series, Sergio Salcido joining his team, much, much more very fun interview with Blaze. And we are welcomed by a special guest at the end, Matt Rambo. So stay tuned for that. Roommates, like us. All right, before we do that, let's do our big stories. Waiver Wire, we mentioned it last week on the pod. We told you guys to keep your eyes peeled because there could be moves happening, and there were quite a few moves that happened. One of the big ones was Jeremy Thompson is now on the Atlas. That is another massive offensive weapon that joins their squad. Not only is it an offensive weapon, but it's he also is a weapon on the face-off. So be on the lookout for him. If Trevor ever needs a break, a breather, he will probably be the guy that steps in. So be on the lookout for him. Another one that was a very big pickup was Jake Withers to the Water Dogs. He is a Ohio State face-off man. Someone that I was really excited about him is Zach Courier. They grew up together, and they were on their yes. first lacrosse team together. How cute. Aww. So he was thrilled about it and sent a photo and was like, look at us. And so it, I know he is very anxious to get started with Jake. Aww. Chrome also made a lot of changes because a good amount of their roster isn't going to be able to come. They're on the excuse an active list, guys like Joel White, Mike Manley, Matt Kanowski, Ryan Flanagan. So they had a lot of positions they needed to fill. So they picked up six players. And I texted John Rannigan because I was like, who are these guys? Who should we be hyping up? Like, tell me more about them. And he told me that um, him and Jesse King, Jordan McIntosh, Ned Crotty, Jordan Wolf, they all played together back in 2015, 2016. And they had one of the best offenses um, when they all play together. So they're all really excited to get to work with those guys, baby Cav. So I know all the Chrome guys are excited to have those additions to their team. And I think a lot of them have worked with coach Sudan too. So there shouldn't be a problem meshing. And then Josh mm-hmm. Courier, who is Zach Courier's brother, joins the Archers. He uh, was the all-time points leader in ODAC history with 353, and he also led NCAA Division III in points per game in 2014 and 2016. He's quite the guy. He said that he's going to light it up with Tom Schreiber, so I'm excited to see that. All right, well, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into our interview with Goalie of the Year, Chaos Goalie, Blaze Reardon. Our next guest led the league in 2019 with a 55.8 save percentage and 153 saves, earning himself the Goalie of the Year award. He also was a 2019 All-Star where he put up two goals and one assist while playing attack. And he's not only versatile on the field, but he's one of the best cooks in the PLL. Please welcome goalie for Chaos Lacrosse Club, Blaze Reardon. What's up? Hey, thank you, thank you. <laughs> a little chef's clap. A little chef's clap's all I need. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> One of the best cooks in the league. How does it feel to have that in uh, your intro? It feels great. Um, I know there are a lot of good cooks. Uh, I, you know, I, I give credit to guys like Jerry Ragonese and other guys that can cook. But, hey, I feed myself every night, and 
I think my food tastes good, and that's really all that matters. A lot of garlic and a lot of love gets put into every meal, so I'll take it. I appreciate, I appreciate the high praise. Let's get down to business and talk about the championship series. We're about 30 days out from the whole thing going down. What was your reaction to learning that we would be playing this tournament-style season? I honestly wasn't very um, surprised. Um, knowing the situation that we have being a, a newer league and knowing who, who runs the show and the people in the front office and knowing that we are capable of doing maybe more than, say, the NHL or NBA with only having um, seven teams and not needing an indoor arena and being able to find a field somewhere and um, with the traveling that we did last year and how, how well everyone did get in their equipment and people to places I thought that it was very doable and um it came down to um, Mike and Paul you know putting a plan together which we kind of figured that they would because that's the types of guys they are they're not going to roll over and um it got announced and um I'm even more excited that it got announced in Utah I think that's going to be extremely cool uh Utah just got college across he won lacrosse the other year so to bring lacrosse there and be in the mountains and get away for three weeks with with the best lacrosse league in the world is going to be amazing. When you heard the news, how did you train? How did you adjust your training, if at all? Because from a goalie perspective, from any player perspective, really, you're now condensing your season into a two-week time frame. You're not going to have time to adjust what you're seeing, like you did last year when you had five days in between to sort of watch film. So, how did you train mentally and physically to adjust to this tournament style? Yeah, um, I'm in a unique situation in the fact that um, when I'm not playing in the Premier Lacrosse League as a goalie, um, I play offense in the NLL Indoor League. So um, that's two totally different uh, mindsets and positions. But um, what's unique is that being that I've played box lacrosse my whole life, I'm used to ser uh, series. A lot of our playoff series um, growing up in, in box lacrosse is, is five out of seven. You got to win five out of four out of seven games or three out of five. And um, what I've learned through those experiences is that um, you have to get your body in the best shape possible and train um, for those conditions. So um, usually on a regular regiment, you can, you know, find four days a week to train and I can spread them out however I want. But um, with the condensed schedule coming out, you kind of ramp your training around that where you're pushing your body during those times throughout the week to um, prepare it. Um, to play that many games in a short amount of time. And then um, when it comes to mindset, um, as I mentioned, it's something that I've done before. And um, having a lot of Canadian guys and uh, Native American guys that have played in the box, um, played box across growing up, indoor lacrosse growing up, all have that same mindset that there is a finish line. And along the way, a lot like a marathon runner, there's going to be bumps and bruises. And um, you have to know that the finish line's always close, being that, you know, it's not a three or four month season anymore. It's, it's three, it's two weeks. So um, just having that mindset of if there's a will, there's a way and battling through it and doing it for the guys next to you, knowing that everyone's going to be tired. Everyone's going to be, you know, trying to keep up on hydration and, you know, everyone wants to win. So that, that, that's what gets you through the finish line. And I fully expect to, to do that. And uh, I'm excited to, to do that. And I'm excited to, to compete again. The matchups just got released of the four teams you will be facing. What are your thoughts on who the Chaos are playing? I don't think it matters who you play. 
Um, I think it matters how, how you play on that day. I don't think it matters who it is. I think it matters how you guys show up on that day. And it's been like that um, with us getting our butts whooped a little bit by the Chrome, who, you know, were the last place team last year. And, and you know, having to win so many one-goal games and lose, you know, we beat the Redwoods twice in the regular season and they, and they put a good beating on us in the playoffs. So I don't think it's a, a matter of who we're playing. I think it's a matter of, um, you know, how we wake up and how we prepare and how we show up um, as a chaos team. Coach Towers, Coach of the Year, now that our season will be a little different than last, how has he changed uh, how the chaos is approaching this championship series? Has he adjusted your offensive plans, defensive plans at all, um, making sure you guys are mentally prepared, prepared for whatever comes at your way? Um, it's nice. Um, getting the focus on what I can control and what I need to focus on, knowing that we do have the coach of the year in our corner. And, you know, it's his job to make decisions and his job to, you know, implement a game plan that, that we need to follow and, and adapt to. And um, everything that, that's come across so far and everything that he stands for and believes in for this team and, you know, for the betterment of us as gentlemen, um, I have full trust in. So so um, we have a game plan. I don't know who's going to be watching this, so I'm not going not gonna to spill out too many of the beans. But um, we definitely have a plan, and um, we, we're going to come out and be chaotic and push the ball like we did in transition and run and gun and, you know, get a lot of shots on that and, and, and play physical and play well between the, uh, between the uh, shot, uh, in between the field, all ground balls, being tough, just doing stuff that we did last year, and that will help us along the way. Mm -hmm. Chaos was the regular season champs and then went into the playoffs 0-2. What happened? As I mentioned, it's, it's, it's such a tough league. And, and you know, be, getting first place in the regular season after losing your first game of the season was a great accomplishment. Because after week one, you know, we're 0-1. And now we're starting one game behind everyone else. And it's our job to adapt and, you know, to find ourselves in a playoff spot in our first um, goal as a team and our first objective was to obviously get the win uh, our second game and that was against uh, the Atlas and Red Bull Arena and we did that and then our next job was to find ways to win the, to lock up a playoff spot whether it was the first seed or fourth seed we just needed to get into the playoffs and then um, we, we got rewarded for you know winning tight games and battling hard as a team and got the first place going into the playoffs but um, you know we knew that didn't matter, and um, we ran into a Whipsnakes team that started off extremely hot, got a loss on their plate, and we knew they were hungry, and um, we split the season series with them one and one, and um, they came out, and, and they put together a good game plan, and they, and they, and they took it to us, and then um, we bounced back against the Redwoods team that's hungry and has weapons all over the field, and we beat them twice in the, in the um, regular season, and you know, it was a heated rivalry. Uh, the first time we played them, obviously, um, the game was very physical and um, a lot of emotions and tempers flared during the game. And that's part of the game, but you need to expect um, the consequences of that. And that's going to be that they're waking up, you know, ready ready to take you guys out the next game. And um, they didn't have Greg the second time we played them. And we took advantage at the X and kind of were in control that whole second game. And um, we knew that they were healthy and um, – you know, they took it to us, like we said. So um, we're right back to square one. It's the 2020 series season now. And 
you know, we got to take it one game at a time, and I'm excited to, to climb that mountain again, and hopefully uh, the results will be different this year. What did you learn from that experience of going through the season on top and then you get to the playoffs and you just fall flat? Having time to reflect on that now, what did you learn about yourself and two, what did chaos learn from that experience? Um, yeah, as a team, I think we learned that um, you can never be complacent. Um, you know, you have to show up and you have to win the game. And I don't think a lot of guys were, um, but there's a lot of things that um, go on throughout a game and the game from the time you wake up or land at the airport when it's, what's, when it's an elimination game, you know, during the regular season, there's always that pressure to win the game, but you know, your, your, your season goes on next week, there's going to be a game next week. You're going to get a chance to redeem yourself. If you know, say you don't have a good week and, you know, when it comes playoff time and elimination time, um, there's a lot of guys that, you know, haven't been in those big game scenarios. And to do it as a team, it's difficult. And I feel like the Redwoods um, had a lot of Notre Dame guys, um, especially anchoring their defense. They had, you know, all Notre Dame guys that have played with each other. And um, it's little experiences like that along the way help in those playoff scenarios. And um, we definitely learned from it. And um, the chip's definitely bigger on our shoulder. And um, personally, you know, I learned that um, – you know, there's, there's important moments in the game where um, I can't let my emotions get the best of me and I have to learn how to stop runs. And um, the way that I do that is, is with my skill and, and not overthinking. And I think um, getting behind a little bit early in um, our, our game against the Redwoods last year in the playoffs, um, I found myself trying to do a little too much. Um, I found myself, you know, implementing my game into spots where I don't think I really needed to. And um, there's a time and a place for everything. And I learned that. And um, I need to be that calming presence at the end of the day when, you know, chaos ensues on the field. And I feel like I added on to that chaos. And, um, you know, Connor took a big hit from Apple. And um, they scored a, a two bomb on me. And that wasn't happening too much this year. And there were certain scenarios throughout the game that um, the flame was getting a little too big. And it's my job as a leader and as the goalie the, to – to kind of quiet those flames and put them out. And um, I need to do a better job of that. And I fully intend on doing that um, from here on out. There was a big trade that happened in this off season. Miles for Sergio Salcedo. How did you find out? Um, I think I found out, I, well, I for sure found out. There was obviously Twitter rumors going around about it. And, you know, word's word. But um, Miles actually... Um, texted in our group, in our group chat, making us aware of the situation and letting us know that he enjoyed playing with all of us and um, left his number in the group and said, you know, feel free to reach out. And um, honestly, there, there's a lot of emotions that um, the fans and, and the viewers don't really see um, on these teams. And I know it was unique and this is the first, last year was the first season of the PLL. So we're all new to, to being on a team, but um, the brotherhoods that you gain um, throughout a year um, with your teammates, you know, go a long way. And, and as, a, as a teammate, um, I got to know Miles really well, and I respect him as a per person and, you know, think he's a great ambassador for this game. And, you know, it obviously stings a little bit losing someone. And, you know, viewers are just seeing, oh, it's just talent for talent, this for that, this for that. Everyone has an opinion, but no one really takes into account that, you know, I got to know Miles over the last year very well. And, um, to have to play against them now and to be on the opposing side 
Um, when that whistle blows, you know, I'm sure every guy in the league will say the same thing. You know, friendships are off and you play the game to win and that's the nature of the beast. But um, with that being said, I'm excited to have um, a guy as dynamic as Sergio Salcido on our team. Um, it's someone who's kind of always had my number. Uh, growing up in, at, at Syracuse, he lit me up for a few goals both years. And um, he scored a couple goals on me last year and, you know, put a couple nifty moves. And I respect his talents as a player. And um, I think he's going to be a great complement to our team. So um, I'm excited to gain that brotherhood and kind of be on the, the receiving end of Sergio Salcido rather than, than the wrong end. So um, I'm excited to see what he brings to our, our, our team this year. Andy Towers also drafted Dylan Ward. What do you know about Dylan Ward? Tell us a little bit about him. Have you gotten to play alongside him before? Yeah, so um, Coach Towers actually reached out to me and he said, look, you know, I'm going through the draft and, you know, I'm weighing out all of our options and Dylan Ward's our best, the best available guy to get. And um, I don't want to make this decision without – um, your approval. And I said, it's not my job to approve that. I said, you're the coach of the year. You're the head coach of this team. I said, whatever decision you make, I will run with it. And I proceeded to let him know what I knew about Dylan. And I know that um, he has a plethora of championships and has come up clutching games. And um, it's a guy that I've played against in both field and box across. And it's a guy that has a great resume. And, you know, why not want to have a guy like that on your team? And, um, you know, it's always for the betterment of the team. And going into the uh, training camp last season, it was the same thing. It doesn't, it, the, the talent's there everywhere. You're going to have to, if you want to be a starting goalie in this league, a starting attack and a starting anything, you're going to have to beat out, you know, some of the best players in the world to get to that spot. And I know that. And if he, if he can bring, you know, a positive impact to our team and that's what's best for our team, then I want him on our team. And um, that's exactly what we did. And me and Dylan have had great conversations and, um, he's a little older than me, and um, he offers a lot of wisdom, and we play two different styles. And um, as I mentioned, I am also uh, have the dynamic ability where, especially in a series like this, that um, I can put elbow pads on and go down and play attack and um, take runs that way to give guys breathers. So it just opens up a whole other dynamic of, of a chaos team that um, during, during a, a series, a small series like this could be useful. So... Um, I'm really happy to have Dylan Ward on our team this year. The chaos mentions went crazy when Dylan Ward was drafted, not only because they were so excited to get this guy on the chaos roster, but then it gave the opportunity for you to play attack. So I know chaos fans want that opportunity so badly. That's not my decision to make. Um, that's Coach Towers. But um, when I hung up the phone with him after – uh, the draft and what what he, he we talked about our thoughts on the series and um you know I told him I said I'll have a I'll have my I'll have a short stick dialed in and I'll have my arm pads there and um I have a helmet without a neck guard so um if you need me I'll be available to do it I'm in I'm in shape to do that right now and um if that's something you think will help the team then then I then I'm willing to do it and um we left it at that and he said that's you know that's what makes you one of the best players in the world right now. And I, I, I love having you on this squad, but you're also the best goalie in the world right now. And um, we're going to use you in that way first. So be ready to, to lead the team um, out of the back end. And we left it at that. So we'll have to see. <laughs> the plot thickens, right? Turn in the NBC. You want to see yes. in the NBC. A lot of players within the PLL have been vocal about the defensive player of the year. 
Jared Newman and whether he should have won or Garrett Uphall. Do you think Garrett should have won or do you think it was right that Jared won? So you, you look at our league and you look at the dynamic of the league and, um, you know, there's, there's different styles of playing defense. Do you have a, a stay-at-home guy, a guy that, you know, is a commander, a guy like Tucker Durkin who stays at home and isn't going to find himself on the stat sheet a lot because that's not his job. His job's to, you know, he plays a role well. When I think of a defender that, that you know, a great defender in the PLL, I think of someone that's um, has an ability to – you know, do a lot along, along the field because you only have 52 seconds on a shot clock. So you need a guy that can help you clear the ball. You need a guy that can help stretch a defense. And, um, you know, Jared's in my huddle, and I don't know what goes on in their huddle, but I can tell you that Jared Newman covered the number one attackman on every single um, team that we played against. And 99% um, of the time, that game plan was not to slide to Jared Newman. So – we trusted Jared enough where we could we could jeopardize the integrity of our defense and cover up in different places, knowing that the chances that an attackman, the number one attackman on their team is going to beat them, um, speaks a lot for him. And then you add in what he does from an offensive perspective in the two-point goals that are worth two goals. So how many two bombs did he have this year? Seven? I think it was like seven or eight? Five or six, seven, yeah. Yeah, six. So he had 12 goals. That's, you know, that's a lot for – someone to shut down a number one defenseman and do a good job against them. And then to, to help on the offensive end as well. Um, I don't think, you know, there's any reason why he shouldn't have won that award and he rightfully, he, he won it rightfully. So, and um, if I were to have to vote on the defensive player of the year, I would have voted on Jared Newman. So um, all credit goes to him. I think he kind of um, came to this league a little bit of an underdog as well. And um, he kind of, you know, change the position a little bit. And you see kids on social media and, you know, I, I watch, I'm around youth lacrosse, I do camps and stuff. And guys want to be more versatile and guys want to have stick skills now and guys want to be able to shoot the ball. And um, to revolutionize the position and to be named the defensive player of the year, I mean, you know, that's all him. That's all him. And um, that's no disrespect to Garrett Apple. Um, I think Garrett Apple is a great player. Uh, I think he brings a great physicality to the game, um, something that maybe he is better than at Jared. Um, Jared's not a big body checker. Garrett Apple will make you pay if you run through the middle. So that he gets credit for that. But at the end of the day, Defensive Player of the Year for last year was Jared Newman, and he 100% deserved it. Let's talk another one about another one of your teammates, Connor Fields. He was nominated for Attackman of the Year MVP, put up 33 points during the regular season, didn't win any of those awards. Do you think he was snubbed? Of course, I, of course I want to say that um, I think he got snubbed. But, um, you know, I think Matt Rambo deserved that 100%. Um, what he did for his team and, you know, spreading out the ball and, you know, having that leadership and what he did, um, he 100% deserved the award. And, um, that's no disrespect to Connor. Connor's one of my best friends. I play at Albany with him. And um, if it came down to, to, to picking a lacrosse team, if I'm a GM and Connor Fields is on the board, I'm picking him over pretty much anyone in the world right now, um, including Matt. So to say he got snubbed, I would say no. But 
Um, he has the respect of a lot of players, pretty much every player in our league. And um, if it wasn't for the year that Matt had, um, he put up MVP numbers and he put up attackman of the year numbers, no doubt. And um, the best part about Connor is that I think he's still getting started. He just, you know, came off um, a little hiatus where he, he was battling injury and is just starting to get back. And for him to be as young as he is and to come off, you know, a, an injured season and do what he did, um, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, attackman of the year awards going his way and probably even MVP. So um, the future is bright for number five. How do you think the attack position is going to change now in the PLL with Rob Pinnell in the mix? Um, I think Rob's a great uh, ex-attackman. And um, I think he brings a lot in the fact that he's dynamic and the fact that um, he can score and um, the fact that he can spread the ball out. And um, the Atlas have a lot of two-point threats. They got you know, Connor Busick and guys like that that can really sling the ball. So um, he, he's going to have a major impact on the game. And what else that does is, you know, it takes the number one defenseman off of, you know, either Ryan Brown or whoever, they, whoever else they have playing at attack. And it puts it on them and it puts a number two defenseman or three defenseman on, you know, key guys on that attack as well. So anytime you're able to, to uh, add someone with that much of a pedigree and you know, that much respect around the league, I think not only he'll have an impact, but um, the guys around him are going to benefit offensively as well. So um, we're going to have to find a way to, to quiet him and, and make that easy if we end up running into him. But luckily, um, for the first four games, we got something else to focus on. A lot of guys and a lot of players within the PLL have talked endlessly about how impressed they were with the goalie play. Coming from the goalie of the year, what was your thoughts on the goalie play last year? So um, I had a tweet um, after training camp. If you go back on my Twitter, I forget the exact day it was, but I was on a Southwest flight um, right from training camp at IMG to play, uh, to try out for the USA indoor team. And uh, Marcus Holman actually passed me up uh, two complimentary drink uh, coupons, which was nice of him. And, um, I enjoyed a couple of Jack Daniels and Cokes and um, I put out a tweet and it said um, something along the, the lines of some things are not meant to be understood, but um, real recognizes real. And I respect, I respect every goalie that was at that PLL camp and um, every goalie that's going to participate in the PLL because, um, you know, any person that's willing to do it, you ask any guy on a team if, if they'll hop in that and not one person wants to do it. And um, this league is, I wouldn't say it's not goalie friendly because it allows people to, you know, stand on their heads. But um, you're seeing a lot of rubber each and every game from the best guys in the league. And they did things that make it more exciting and more high scoring. They made the shot clock um, shorter so people would be shooting the ball more. They moved the two-point line in an extra yard. Um, the field smaller. Um, there's no regulation on sticks, you know, with V's and stuff like that. So shooters can really, you know, customize their sticks wherever they, way they want, unlike the NCAA where there's regulations to that. And um, I just think that it's a position where um, you mentioned, I think you said that I, that I was the highest with a 55.8%. Mm -hmm. That's almost about half the shots. And, and for that to be good in a league, you know, you're, you feel like your back's always against the wall. And I respect every goalie in this league and um, every goalie in my mind deserves goalie of the year because I know there's probably less than 50 humans on this, on this universe that 
would be able to get through what we got through and, you know, to do it with such poise and class. And um, it's, it's, it's awesome to be around and the goalie community's tight. And there's only 12 of us in the league last year. And um, I respect every guy and I've learned something from every guy. And I think every guy has a unique style and it shows. And um, that's the coolest part about this position is that you can be successful and, and, and good at it. And there's not a right way or a wrong way to do it. So um, definitely respect all the goalies in this league. And um, it's great to see a lot of left-handed goalies. There's, there's a handful of us, so that's, that's also great. We can't do this interview and not talk about something you mentioned earlier, which was yeah, Redwoods versus I, Chaos. You said, yep, you said yeah. things got a little chaotic, which they definitely did. So we can't not talk about Body Slam Blaze. Yeah. Please walk us through that entire fiasco. What was your uh, point of view of that? What do you remember of that? Did it all just, like, happen so quickly? Walk us through that event. You know, when I look back on it now, um, you can say it dates back to uh, all the way back to 2015 when uh, Notre Dame and Nick Ocello um, and those guys uh, beat us in the quarterfinals in what they say is one of the most historic college cross games ever. And um, during that game, Nick had a highlight reel goal on me. And um, I'm in the Virgin Islands with my, with my father and my brother and my stepmother for Christmas. And the Sports Center top 50 plays come on. And here I am, number 25, getting scored on by Nick Ocello on Christmas while we're all sitting around the Yule log. So um, you can say the fire always starts there. And um, the year after, obviously, Notre Dame got us. But um, at the end of the day, um, you know, I tell my teammates and a lot of guys tell their teammates and a lot of guys are vocal in this league. And, you know, guys like Joe Walters and guys come on here and say, you know, if you get in our way, we're going to stomp you. And you have your teammates' backs and you have each other's backs. So um, for me to tell, some, to tell all my teammates that I have their back and for a confrontation to happen three yards in front of me and for me not to do anything – would not exemplify the fact that I had their backs. And um, it helped out a little bit that um, my, my uh, college teammate, Troy Ray, who took my number 10 after I left, um, was a smaller guy on the field and was getting roughed up by a bigger guy on the field. And um, I went in and defended him. And um, it ended in him getting body slammed to the ground and him standing up and punching me in the face. And um, I'm sitting in the box and you know, they're all running their mouse and their mouse are still still running and, you know, talking all this stuff. And I'm sitting silent because what's done was done. Um, there was a confrontation. I did my part in having my teammates back. I went and sat in the, in the chair and in the box and accepted my penalty. And um, as I sat there, um, Charlie Cipriano ended up coming up with a huge save and I was fired up about that. But we also got scored on two times during that time and, you know, there's part of me that, that feels the selfishness because at the end of the day, I'm there to win the game and um, we ended up winning the game, but to put my team in jeopardy like that um, is something that I never want to do. And um, I don't walk around and tell people that I'm tough and, but I do walk around and I tell my teammates that I have their backs and um, if something like that occurs, um, you can probably expect the same result, but um, you know, it's not like, I ran down to the other end of the field to defend someone. It happened right in front of me. Um, it was heat of the moment. Me and Nick uh, talked about it after and said that we respected each other. And, you know, we're not best friends because of it. But um, there was a mutual respect. And um, it's part of the game of lacrosse. It's a contact sport. And um, emotions get the best of you. So 
Um, it was it, it was it, to say it wasn't fun would be a lie, but you know I'm there, I'm there to win I'm there to win the game, so it is what it is. How'd the punch feel? Didn't even phase me. Boys, what does it feel like to body slam someone? Because I know this may come as a surprise, but I've never body slammed someone before, so I'm just wondering what that feels like when you just lift someone up and. Yeah, I think the key is that when you when you're grabbing onto someone, someone big, you have to lock your wrist. And that will, that will allow you to really get a good grasp on them. And then it comes from your, your knees and your core. But, um, you know, I'm a competitor and I grew up playing contact sports. And, um, you know, I've never been shy of contact. So uh, it feels good to, you know, get it out and to know that you had your teammates back. And, you know, to, it's, part of, it's part of being who I am. And I love it. So I got no complaints about it. And I'll never shy away from it. So it's all good. What are your goals, personal goals, entering this season? Win a championship. That's it. That's it? My only goal. My only goal in the unique situation that we have is um, my other goal is um, to show up there and um, to be healthy and for all my, you know, fellow colleagues and and teammates to be healthy as well and for everyone to get through this series and um, put lacrosse on a new pedestal and, you know, the game's going somewhere that it's never been and that's, you know, national television. And, um, it's, you know, there's a lot of guys that have been chomping at the bit. And, um, I think this quarantine has gotten a lot of guys hungry and in shape and time for their bodies to heal when maybe we haven't had that luxury in the past. So, um, I hope that the series is everyone's healthy and, um, everyone's safe and lacrosse gets put on a different pedestal, but, um, I'm there to win a championship first and foremost. Amen to that. Yeah. Before before we get into hypothetically speaking, what is it like rooming with Rambo, but then also being close with Trevor? But you can't, you know that both of them are on different teams, so you can't truly talk about some things. It's it's a great it's a great it's a great thing. Um, from a from a competitive standpoint, um, we all respect each other and we play on the same team in one league and. The beauty of it is, is it doesn't kick until about, you know, a week leading up to the time that I'm playing them that, you know, those feelings of friendship kind of dwindle and the feeling of competition take over and, you know, being, being a, a competitor. But um, I think it's great because um, we push each other every day and we don't really allow, allow each other to be um, lazy or really to take, take, take a day off. And um, we, we all enjoy the same hobbies outside and, um, we're, we're all full-time professional lacrosse players and we're all the same age. And, um, you know, we all have, a, a, we're building a brand and a platform in the lacrosse community. And um, for people to see three guys um, just playing lacrosse and succeeding and having as much fun as we're having, hope, hopefully we'll open up some gates for kids to realize that, you know, this is an option for you. Um, you know, if you're a young kid, listen to this you can be a professional lacrosse player and, you know, live your best life and travel around the world and um, do it through the game of lacrosse. And um, we've been doing that. And um, I'm thankful for both of those guys. Um, They're some of my best friends. They know, you know, stuff that other people don't know, but um, we also push each other every day and, you know, bust each other's, uh, bust each other's chops and stuff like that. So um, it's a great relationship and uh, I'm happy that I get to experience it with those guys. Let's get into, hypothetically speaking, a segment where we stretch our minds and get creative. 
This week, we're doing the roommate quiz, and we have brought in the one and only Matt Rambo. MVP. MVP. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to get Blaze and Rambo to answer six questions that will help us understand the dynamic of these two as roommates. You're going to learn real quick what we're all about. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. When I ask the question, say out loud who is more fit for the scenario, okay? Okay. Who is the messiest? Matt. Please. <laughs> who is the worst morning person? Blaze. <laughs> who is the better cook? Blaze. Uh, <laughs> myself. <laughs> who it's different. Is he cooks more food, but, you know. I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. Next question. <laughs> who is the better decorator? Blaze. Blaze. <laughs> Who takes longer to get ready? Blaze. Matt. <laughs> and who is the parent of the two of you? Blaze. Myself. <laughs> Blaze. I'm waking him up all the time. I'm get um that's that's not Blaze. <laughs> Very split here on all on all the I think, answers. I think if you want confirmation you can call trevor on your own and ask him yeah and he'll tell you he'll tell you the same story i'm telling you no not at all he'll say blaze is talking out his neck <laughs> i am I'm our blaze are you not a morning person no I, I i'm it's not that i'm not a morning person but um for some reason like when as soon as he wakes up he like blasts his bose speaker and is like immediately just ready to attack the day. And for me, I set my alarm about 25 minutes earlier than I need to because I need to ease into the day. And I'm usually the one, if we do cook breakfast or make coffee, I'm usually the one doing that as well. So I have to give myself some time in the morning to do that. I don't drink coffee, so I don't need coffee. I'm not a, I don't, he stays up real late. I go to bed real early. So that's why I can get up earlier and be nice and ready to go for the day. He also um, wears the same clothes two days in a row, so I think it makes his <laughs> routine a little earlier in the, in the morning. He just, he just slips them off next to his bed, and then he rolls out, slips them on, and puts a little spit in his hair, and he walks out the door. I'll tell you what I do do is make my bed every morning. Some people don't. Do you? You make yeah. your bed every morning? I try to. Did Annette instill that in you as a child? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that. That's for sure. You should. All right. Well, thank you, MVP. Not Matt a lot got accomplished during that, but yeah. what it comes down to is I'm a better cook. I'm more mature. Everything else is up for debate. I just found <laughs> out that we might be closer roommates than you two are. Though. Yeah, we did. Air yeah. high five. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you guys later. Thanks for having me inside feed. Bye, Rambo. Nice. <laughs> Rambo, we'll see you in Salt Lake City. All right. I'll Bye, best you. friend and roommate. I'll yeah. see you in a little bit when I'm done. <laughs> Don't miss me too much. All right, Blaze. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. You girls be good. All right. I appreciate, I appreciate your time and everything you guys do. 
This podcast is brought to you by our incredible friends at Ticketmaster, the official presenting sponsor of the championship series starting July 25th through August 9th on NBC. Ticketmaster has all of your needs when it comes to concerts, sporting events, arts and theater, much more. Anything you need, check out Ticketmaster.com or open up your Ticketmaster app. Again, Ticketmaster.com or open up the Ticketmaster app. Let's get into that speed. Speed, boy. That's speed, boy. During this segment, Emma will have 52 seconds to answer as many interesting stats, fun facts, really anything I can come up with that happened during the 2019 season and about our players. This week, it is specific to Blaze Reardon and the Chaos defense. If she gets it correct, she will hear this sound. And if you get it wrong, you will hear this sound. Are you ready? I think so. Oh, I'm kind of nervous. I'm sorry, Blaze, if you're listening. I mean, you will be listening, but I'm sorry if I mess this up. Okay, ready? Go. What was Blaze's save percentage during the regular season? 55.8. How old is Blaze? How old is Blaze? 25? How many ground balls did Jack Rowlett have during the regular season? Um, 14? What number is Troy Ray? Oh, um, um, 32. Three. How many two bombs did Jared Newman have during the regular season? Oh, um, seven. <laughs> Not great. Blaze, Not great. 55.8. You were close enough. The same percentage. Yeah. Blaze is 26. Oh, I said 25. Rowlett, I was thinking. Yeah, you were very close. Jack Rowlett had 11 ground balls during the regular season, so you were also pretty close. Troy Ray is 77. And Jared had five two bombs during the regular season. Oh, gosh. I don't know. Oh, that is just, like, not great, Emma. Yikes. <laughs> like I always say, we have infinite number of weeks to redeem ourselves. Yes. And soon we will be in Salt Lake City where people can do this challenge with me. And soon <laughs> we'll have new stats to talk about. Yes. all right that's our episode we will talk to you all next tuesday but before we go as always make sure you subscribe to this podcast on apple podcasts and spotify and make sure you follow us on instagram and twitter at the inside feed and at lisa remma 29 and at emma dams you can also follow blaze reardon at blaze reardon 10 and i think we might do a little giveaway is that correct on our social account yes You should follow us on Instagram because this week we will be doing a giveaway with a Chaos Epic Shaft. So make sure you're following us at the Inside Feed. Yes, it sold out. So make sure you're following us at the Inside Feed because you will get the exclusive as to what's going on with this giveaway. So stay tuned. Boom. Talk to you guys next week. For the record, I'm done trying to make y'all comfortable. 